Welcome back to another episode of Dropping Dimes. It's Brittany Johnson alongside Sasha Bloom. Sasha, we had to bring in the heavy hitter, my boy Rashawn Haylock from LA. He's a sports reporter, Fox Sports West primetime ticket. What's up, Rashawn? Dropping dimes. Are you down in Salt Lake? You just drop dimes on them like that? <laughs> dropping dimes. You already know. Okay. <laughs> you didn't know we had this much swag in Salt Lake, did you? I did not. I've been there a couple times. You know, they had a lot of things. Swag, I don't know. It was one of them. But okay, I see. You, you, you uplifting the people out there. Uh, so, we got our so. swag back when Gordon Hayward left. Oh, shots fired. Yes, sir. <laughs> Rashawn, we got a lot to talk to you about today. Bob McNair, Cam Newton. Uh, I want to talk to you about some top high school players uh, in the SoCal area, the World Series. A lot going on. Where would you like to start? You, you, you're the PD. You dropping dimes. You tell me where to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a bunch. Obviously, you know, a bunch of World Series people out here with the, with the Doyers um, doing their thing. you win last night but uh whatever we can do whatever let's start with the world series i want to start by saying yo la fans you got to know who your players are did you guys (laughs) (laughs) did you guys see the video i think it was fox sports or no fox news they the reporter asked one of the girls yeah the dodgers they're going to the world series are you a dodgers fan i what is that that was him he hung up on you. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you must have a uh, Boost Mobile. Nah, man, that's 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 that Salt Lake connection, man. I'm telling you, y'all up, up in the mountains and stuff. Y'all be missing stuff. <laughs> Yo, all right, we're gonna pick up with the World Series. All right. All right, let's do it. So, LA fans, you guys gotta know who plays for the Dodgers. Fox News interviewing a one chick. And they said, yeah, Dodgers going to the World Series. Who's your favorite player? And she was like, Crenshaw. <laughs> the lady was like, uh, Crenshaw? <laughs> she was like, uh, Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, yeah. Did you see that? I didn't see that. But I, I can't say I'm surprised either. Just, just please tell me it wasn't one of my people. Yo, it, it was one of us. Uh-huh. <laughs> but look, yeah, well, I, I think mean, she was mixed. Is, is popular on Sunday nights, so maybe maybe she was just looking ahead. You know what I mean? Maybe a little forward thinking, thinking on her part. But I mean, look, I love my city. I love my city, right? But I mean, you know, we 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 have a few people that tend to have you know some some bandwagon tendencies. So you know, they they just kind of hop on you know towards the end and. They get on the news, and, that, and then and those are the ones that get on the news. Those are the ones that get interviewed. Those are the ones that represent, you know, the rest, the rest of the fan base. But it's all right. We let that one slide. She, she her heart, her heart was good. Her heart was good. She lived well. <laughs> well, we know where she be at during the week. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what's like the uh, aura been like in LA? It's crazy. Um, I mean, obviously, it's 
you know, this is a, this is a Laker town, right? And um, you know, every everybody out here blue bleeds, you know, purple and gold. But I think that the team right next to it, you know, is the Dodgers. And at one point in time, this was a Dodgers town. This was a Dodgers town, you know. And uh, the Lakers kind of superseded that with with Showtime and and Magic and the likes winning those championships. Um, but now, I mean, you know, everybody has Dodger fever. I mean, everybody's all about it. It's it's, re- it's really fun. It's a fun and exciting time right now. I mean, you look around every now and then, you may see people with the Dodger flags on their cars and, and, and whatnot, and, and everybody's just kind of caught the fever now. So it's, it's it, it, this, this city's hungry. This city's hungry for a Dodger championship. It's been, you know, since 1988, last time they even made it to the, to the series. Um you know, and and that was the last time they won it, of course, obviously too. So um, the city's really hungry, really hungry right now for a Dodger Road Series. So they're, they're on fire right now. Yo, I saw someone out last night. Um, I went out, and he had on a L.A. Rams shirt. Then he had on a Dodgers shirt. Then he had on a Lakers jersey on the top of it. He was like, yo, I'm L.A.'d out. And I was like, dude, how you have on all three? He was like, I got a rep. Like, yeah, yesterday yo. I was out. I saw I saw somebody with with uh some some Dodger gear on, and then they had they had some SC gear on too. You know, all at the same time. So it's it's really it's really exciting. And, and and this time of year, you know, just as as sports fans in general, right? October is is just fantastic anyway because you got the baseball postseason, you got the the NFL cranking up, you got the start of the NBA. Um, so you really got all three, you know, the heavy hitters going at it at the same time. So um, it's it's really just an exciting time period as a sports fan when you combine that with the fact that, you know, here in L.A., you know, you, you got Lonzo Ball and, and, and Lakers fever. You know, a lot, a lot of Lakers fans are excited that, you know, you know Magic and Rob Palenka are in charge and, and Lonzo Ball is here, home, hometown kid, and, and uh, excited about the progress that, that that team hopefully is making. And then you got the Dodgers in the series as well. And the Rams actually are playing well this season after sticking up the joint last year. Um, and then and SC's, SC's doing their thing. You know, they bounced back, you know, with a huge win, you know, after after falling to Notre Dame the week prior. So it's, it's, it's a lot to be excited about out here right now. So I was watching the Lakers last night. They were in town to play the Utah Uh-oh. Jazz. And I saw a team that is very immature, a team that doesn't work hard, and I don't see anyone on that. I don't see any players that have that I'm-going-to-kill-you attitude that you need to be a successful NBA team and a legitimate superstar. What are your thoughts on the Lakers? I I think, well, work hard, I I, I think I, I would... I wouldn't say I wouldn't go that far. Um, I, I give you the immaturity; they're they're a young bunch. Um, as far as that killer mentality, that killer instinct, I, I think that's more a byproduct of just the culture today. I mean, you, you look at players from LeBron from when LeBron got to the league all the way down, and there aren't too many dudes outside of Russell Westbrook that really got that like dog in them like that. You know, um, LeBron included. Uh, so, that, that you, so you you got that whole situation, and then as far as the team in general, I mean they're just young. I mean you know there's there there heightened expectations uh, just for the simple fact that you know Lonzo Ball is, is is here this year and he joined the team after they were taken with the number two pick in the draft um, uh, last uh, last spring. But 
I mean, they're a young team, uh, and, and you, you somewhat have to temper those expectations knowing that, that this bunch is, is young. I mean, I think when you look at Brandon Ingram, he's a guy that, that they were thinking would take that next step this season. But you got to remember, he's only 20 years old. He is so talented, too. Like, I haven't seen a player like that, that young in a long time. He's really, really talented. And, and, but he's but he's learning on the job, yeah. literally. And, you know, you you have guys that have been doing this, you know, for a while, and, and guys like LeBron James, guys like Kobe Bryant, guys like – you take, you know, the, the first option on any team, you know, any any good team, and those guys understand when they have to be aggressive, you know, when, when their team really needs to be put on their back and, 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 and for them to attack the basket and, and get buckets that way. And Ingram, he's actually learning that right now to the point where he's almost sabotaging himself, you know, especially really early in the season, especially you go back to the preseason as well. I mean, I know we're still early, but you go back to the preseason as well, it was like, it was almost like he was, he was this major ball hog. And that's not his personality at all, you know, um, just to be a, a ball stopper uh, like that. But because of all the work that he put in and, and because of, you know, the expectations on him and, and, and him having a little bit more responsibility on this team, you know, obviously he took that personal, which you want him to take it personal. But it got to the point where it was like, you know, he he felt like and still feels like he has so much to prove just because of how much he improved and how much work he put in during the offseason. So that, that part has to come around if he's really going to be that guy. And then also I think just when you talk about Lonzo Ball, period, if fans haven't watched him to this point, there may be – um, they may maybe be they may be misguided in a sense of the type of player that he actually is, right? I mean, he's more he's more Jason Kidd than he is Russell Westbrook, you know, especially early year on in Jason Kidd's career where he wasn't a, a big time scorer, he wasn't going to get a lot of buckets, he was going to get others involved, the assist numbers were going to be high, the steal numbers may be high, but he wasn't the guy that was going to even get into double figures of scoring each and every night, and that's more of who Lonzo is. Can he be aggressive? Can he have you know, some high-scoring games, he absolutely can, but that's not really his makeup. And I think there may come a point where he gets there, um, but until then, I mean, I, I think this team has just continued to, to go through those going pains. And right now in the West, I mean, really, I mean, you keep this young core together. I know everybody's talking about the free agents next summer, this, that, and the other, but you keep this young core together, and by the time they really mature and, and have that time to deal with one another, you know, it'll be a good three, four, or five years. And by that time, the whole Golden State dynasty maybe have run its course, and, and this team may, make, may be ready to take that step towards actually really competing, you know, for for uh, championships. And back to, you know, not working hard and stuff, I think – I don't want to say that they don't work hard because I know that they do. They have a point to prove. When you have a point to prove, you want to work even harder. And the thing is, I think it's just like Rashawn is saying, they're young. They're young. They're still trying to get things figured out. Watching Lonzo Ball last night, yes, I I did watch him when he was at UCLA. But the thing is, too, I see a couple shots or a couple missed opportunities. I'm just like, man, you got you got to take those. Those aren't pass. Those aren't pass plays. You got to shoot that. You got to lay that in. You're two feet from the basket and you're looking to pass. You got to drop that in the basket. Like, I think once they get things kind of figured out and know their role and know who they are, because I think they're still trying to figure out who they are as a player. It's completely different from 
playing college or high school, it, you the NBA, you just still have to figure out what kind of player you are going to be, what the coaches want of you. And I think they're still trying to figure that out. And like Lonzo tweeted last night, if you're not with us now, don't be with us you later. With us now. Yep, we're going to get it figured later. out. And, and, and not only that, I mean, they're, they're all trying to learn themselves from an individual standpoint, but then they're also trying to learn who they are as a team. You know, what, what does Luke want us to do as a team? And and you can already tell, you know, there's new leadership, right, with, with Rob and, and, and Magic taking over. Although there has not been a lot of movement from last year to this year in terms of the roster, um, it, it's a different squad. I mean, you, you see guys that you thought maybe would be playing more minutes and maybe more um, – more pivotal to this team, you know, have a decreased role, you know, like Julius Randle, you know, for, is a prime example of that. I mean, his his minutes have been cut tremendously here at the start of the season, and you can't help but to think that that is a direct reflection on management in the sense of, you know, maybe they don't see him as a guy who is going to have a big part or going to be a big piece of the puzzle going forward. Um. With that, how has Julius Randle been when you guys talk to him in media about that? Because, you know, his minutes, he's not clearly seeing as many minutes as he was. So how has he been, like, in press conferences, post-games, in practice when you guys are talking to him? Yeah, I'll admit I I haven't been out there. But just from everything that I've heard, um, you know, in the beginning, it was tough. He was a little salty, obviously. You know, I, I would be too. You know, I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, it's a guy who, I mean, last last season, this time, he, he was taking a huge step. You know, he was pretty much a walking double-double. You know, I mean, a threat, to, a threat to come up with a double-double on any given night. He and Luke had a great relationship. He loved playing for Luke. It was night and day from, you know, his attitude from what it was like when he was playing um, under Byron. Um, and so it took him some time to kind of collect his thoughts. You know, it took him a couple games and, and then all of a sudden he becomes, you know, a key piece to some of the Lakers' comebacks. He was huge for them against New Orleans. Um, when when they – that comeback, uh, it was a failed comeback, but yet he was a, a huge part of that run that got them back into the game. And then uh, the win earlier this week against uh, – again, who was that? The Wizards. And John Wall was in town mm-hmm. earlier this week. He was huge in that. He, he only played 19 minutes in that game, including the overtime, but he was huge. Without him, without his efforts, they don't win that game. Um and so I, I think he, he's kind of taking the, the, the mindset and the approach of, of just being a pro, you know, and, and just saying, look, I got to do what I got to do, you know, whether it's going to be this organization or the next, because whatever I do, whatever I put on tape, somebody's going to have to see it. And, and I think he kind of saw it a little bit firsthand with Angelo Russell when he was here last year, you know, how they kind of, you know, they, they, they messed with him a little bit, you know, in terms of, Cutting his minutes, you know, bringing him off the bench, and then reinserting him in the starting lineup, and and they played that kind of back and forth game with with uh, Russell a little bit, and and the writing was you know sort of on the wall back then, and lo and behold, he gets traded over the summer. So, um, but I th- I think he's handled. Well, Brooke well. Lopez is new too, and Brooke Lopez is really talented, and he's a really big guy. Like he's like got to be two sixty, and he's seven feet, and he's just that got that grown man. Physique, and I, I think that Julius Randle, if he can learn to play with him, that could be a great duo. It it could be, and and they they have different skill sets in the sense that I mean, Brooks does have that back to basket game, but um, he shot a lot. 
he, he's, he's shooting a lot. Like, and when I say shooting, I mean like beyond the arc. Like, he's shooting a ton of threes. Mm. And I know a lot of Lakers fans are, are disgruntled and not unhappy about that because he's taking so many threes. But it could, it could be a good dynamic. But then you look on this roster, and, and you just look at basketball as a whole, right? I mean, how many teams really have two bigs now? You know, I mean, it's really a guard lineup. And, and you take a look at the Warriors, they, they, they're oftentimes where they don't have a center on the floor at all or a power forward, you know, in, in, in all honesty. You know, there's times where they put KD at the four, even the five. So I think that, that just kind of speaks to where the game of basketball is, where it's shifted, where it's shifted to, where it's going. And um, what you need now are a lot more athletic wings. And I, I think that you've seen them sort of address that with the addition of Kyle Kuzma. Um, and that's a guy that they like a lot, and he's their guy. And you guys know how it is when it's a management change, you know, the the managers that come in, they tend to like their guys because they had a hand in bringing those guys in, whereas, you know, as far as Randall's concerned, he was, you know, under the origin. So, Kyle Kuzma, how have you gotten a chance to speak to him yet or interview him? I have I have not had a chance to, to speak to him or interview him yet, but I, I know some guys that, that he played with. Um, obviously, you guys are familiar with him being out there uh, – in Utah, but he's been he's been a huge surprise in the sense that I'm not sure that anybody knew that they were getting this guy. And, and I watched a ton of college basketball. I, I watched the Pac-12. I didn't see this coming at all. I don't think a lot of people did, and yeah, I mean, that's he's what been huge. He he even said that himself. He took the off season to work on his game day in and day out and put in so much work and grind it just to, you know, to make it a point to improve his shot, to improve his handles so he can, you know, take that next step. And I think I didn't see it. I really didn't see it because the way he played at Utah is completely opposite of the way he's playing with the Lakers right now. And I just remember going back to draft night. I didn't think I was like Kyle Kuzma first round what and i was like, that's crazy and then everybody like on social media like I, friends back at home in san diego la whatever tweeting out who the heck is kyle kuzma why would the <laughs> lakers do this oh god no more championship we, we haven't had one since 2010 we're not gonna get one till 2030 like you know everybody's just like who the heck is this kyle kuzma and then those same people now are like damn we caught a still in the draft Kyle Kuzma looks like he's about to be the one. His transition game is horrible, and he doesn't play defense. And I I noticed that in the three years I worked at the Pac-12, and I noticed it last night. It was glaring. He can't transition on defense. And he's going to get smoked, and he's going to get lit up night after night. And I know that he's a nice guy, and he works hard, but if you want to play in the NBA for a long time, transition defense and that hustle has to be there. I don't agree with that. That's the late as a whole. The Lakers on transition I mean, D last night weren't the best of the best, but I don't think he's terrible. He's a terrible defender yeah, at all. I think, I think I think he's I think he's been playing D since he since he got here. I think he's he, he's played you know a good amount of D, and also I think the effort plays the hustle plays have certainly been there. In addition to the fact that you know he's been able to to shoot the ball um, really well. But the defense, the defense as a whole, the Lakers just don't play 
great defense, just as a team. Um, it was like that last year, and, and there's some carryover to that this year. And I think typically, I mean, they're a young team. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, just think about it. Like, you're out, you're you're on you're on the on, on the yard, you know, playing basketball. You're you know you're out the, out the park or whatever you're playing basketball. Like, the the mindset, the focus isn't really to play defense a lot, guys. They don't really like that. But if somebody scores on you, you have that mentality. Let me go right back at them. That's that's typically the mindset of young teams. Like it it takes it it typically takes older, more veteran teams to really buy in on the defensive end of the floor. And you know, and we've seen that that has not been the case uh, for for the Lakers last year or this year, for that matter. But I, I tell you what, you got to give the Lakers front office credit because they've drafted tremendously well over the course of the last four or five years. Um, look at Larry Nance. He, he, he was a steal. Nobody saw that coming. Kyle Kuzma, nobody saw that coming. They got Zubats in the second round. Jordan Clarkson was a second round um, draft pick. Um, they've, they've really drafted well. They found some, some gems. Um, D'Angelo Russell, yeah, he was, you know, he was a lottery pick, but, you know, had that whole Snapchat situation not going down. He may still be here. <laughs> Yo, does he still have ice in his veins? <laughs> I, I you got to ask Brooks on that. I, I don't know. He'll, he'll, tell, he'll tell you he does, though. But, I mean, he he's he's an exceptional talent. I mean, it was just too much baggage for him to stay here. Like, like it just it just couldn't happen. It just couldn't work. Um, but, I mean, he's, he's a tremendous talent. That's another thing, I think, with the NBA, we talk about maturity a lot. And I think it's with this one-and-done, you know, type deal that we have. Do you think – and there are veterans that have come out and said they don't like the one-and-done, um, you know, because a lot of players aren't mature at that age. Um, would you like to see the one-and-done kind of go away? And if so, or whatever your thoughts are, do you think that players – should if they're not going to get drafted or if they're not, you know, good enough to get drafted and they don't want to go to college, like Coach K said from Duke, we just put them in the D League so they can get better and develop. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I don't like the fact that you can't you can't make money out of high school doing whatever your profession is that that, that you want to do. Like I, I understand it from a football standpoint because I mean you're dealing with grown men and you might mess around out there and, and get hurt. So I, I definitely get that. I definitely understand that. As far as the whole basketball conversation goes, um, I'm not really a fan of the one and done. Um, I understand why it happened, and it was very much needed because the NBA was – the NBA draft night became just a huge influx of either high school kids or European-born players that no one's ever heard of, and the majority of these guys end up you know, turning into busts. Um, so I, I get why the NBA did it because their product was hurting dramatically and they had to do something. Um, that being said, though, I, I feel like maybe they adopt the baseball rule in the sense that you can go, um, you, you can, you can, you can go, you, you can go to the, the NBA or you can go to the G League, but if you go to college, you got to stay there for at least two years, at least three years. Um, that way, once you get on campus, you're, you're, you're making that commitment that you got to be there. You have to spend some time there um, because you turn on college basketball now. I mean, every year it's like, you know, it's like you're reopening a new book because you don't even know who you know half the guys that are that are on these teams now. No, and you're Just rebuilding because, every single yeah, year, every single season. Um, so it's 
it's I agree with Coach K in the sense that maybe maybe you do and maybe that's coming with the sense that you know pretty much every NBA team has their own G League team now. So maybe maybe that's coming. Maybe that's on its way. But I think something has to be done because it's 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 hurting the college basketball product tremendously, and it's it's not doing these players any favors as either because I mean they they're fly by night. They're on campus for a couple months and then they're gone. So you're hurting the you're hurting the players. You're hurting the universities. You're hurting college basketball as a whole. And only only people that are really benefiting from this right now is the NBA. But I think they should probably step in and, and try to get a hold on this. I heard a rumor that the NBA and the G League want to specifically go after the NCAA and try and compete with them head to head. Have you heard that? I have not heard that, but that that will be interesting. I, I I mean I don't see how that could happen. I mean from a financial standpoint, yeah, they may have the resources, but I mean you guys know how college sports are. I mean it, it's so it's so regional, it, it, it's it's so territorial, and people are really passionate about whatever college it is that they went to. Or the D League's a better product, you know, like, though. Like I've watched a couple of the Salt Lake D League games and. It's a good product. Like it's enjoying. It's it's great basketball. Yeah, I mean, and, and those guys are those guys are legit. I mean, they're they're one, you know, most of those guys are you know one one injury, one whatever away from you know being in in the actual NBA. So I mean, I I, I don't I don't discredit that. I mean, I I think there there certainly is a good product, and you have a, a bunch of talent um, in that league. But I think one thing that that's causing that league. To suffer in a sense is the fact that there's not a lot of money in it for the players. I mm. mean, a lot of guys, like I, I know personal stories of guys who, you know, they they could only handle being in the G League or, or when it was the D League. They could only handle being there so long because, you know, it, it really wasn't beneficial from a financial standpoint. It was more money to be made overseas, um, and, and so they ended up ended up going that route. Plus, you know, the the travel and and all that isn't isn't that great. Um, but I, I I don't see how it could be a, a, a head because I mean if you think about it ultimately like even if they feel like they can compete March Madness is ingrained into sports fans and it hasn't been like a, a generation after generation like I don't see how you come in and compete with that you know with that that alone like that that's one of the great American you know sporting events you know especially that that first weekend I mean people. People make it a holiday. People take off work to go to Vegas. They they chill at the sportsbook all day and 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 take in games and, and place money and wages on games. Like that that's like that's almost akin to a, an, another football another football league coming in and saying that they're going to supersede the NFL and and take over the Super Bowl. Like it, I just don't like I just don't see that happening. Well, do you think if we were paying these college athletes that if this wouldn't even be an issue? That's 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 opening up a whole other can of worms because you're <laughs> when when you're paying. I mean, when you say pain, like what, like what do you mean by that? You know what I mean? Like you can like there there's a conversation of should should these college athletes be paid, and then if your answer is yes, then what are you paying them? And then who you know, are like, you going like, to pay? Do you pay all of them? And, and who are you going to pay? Like, and are we getting the bidding wars? Like, you know, if you know if Lonzo Ball is coming out. Get, coming out of you know Chino Hills High School, like is there gonna be a bidding war between UCLA and Kansas? Like, well, you know, I got 
you know, a million here, but Kansas says they have 1.2. Like, is that, that's what's happening. I mean, we already doing it anyway. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. I, mean, I, I, I only duffel bags I've personally seen have been on movie Blue Chips, so I, I can't speak to that. But, I, but what, I, what I will say is I do think that I do think these athletes should be paid. But getting back to my prior point, like, in terms of it, it needs to be an equal set scale, you know, across, you know, every school. Like, I, I don't agree that, you know, if Texas has more money, then they can offer more money to player A. And Alabama, they have more money, so they can offer more money to player B than maybe a USC or UCLA can, you know, because they have more money coming in from, the Longhorn Network or from the SEC Network, whatever. And I, I don't believe in that. But I do believe that there should be some sort of a stipend, you know, given to these players so they get so they can have more money than just, you know, books and tuition and rent. You know what I mean? Like, And there's women athletes that end up having bigger careers than most of these football players or basketball players that make it to the leagues. I mean, there's incredible softball players and soccer players and gymnasts who bring in real money too, and I never hear conversations of these women getting paid. Well, because they bring in money, but the March Madness is what pretty much funds all of those programs. The money and that you bring in from March Madness. Yeah, but you can't be sexist. In no, this. I'm not saying be, I'm not saying be sexist, but to the point of they bring in money, they don't bring in the money that March Madness brings in. March Madness is paying for your soccer, is paying for softball, is paying for tennis. They're paying for all. Not all of that, but the, a good chunk of that money goes to funding those programs. So without March Madness, you're not going to have the money like you have for a lot of those programs. But no, if you're going to pay the men, you got to pay the women. Mm. Not trying to be sexist, you got to pay everybody. Yeah, no, I mean you, you, you certainly you certainly have to pay everybody. I mean I I I agree with that, but I just think from well, when you say pay everybody, you mean like every single sport on campus, like all all of those athletes? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but that's the thing. I kind of go back and forth. If you're going to pay the basketball team or the football team, you got to pay all the other sports. You got to pay the hockey team. You got to pay out because they're athletes too. But oh, then yeah. it they're but they're then it goes. They're under the same. They're they're, they're under the same rules. So so I agree with you in a the sense there. Yeah, you should pay them too. But at the same time, I feel like. The football players and the basketball players should get more than whatever those other programs are getting. Well, if you let me finish my point, I was gonna say, <laughs> but, Jeez. but did Rashawn, did I just steal your dime? You I just, you just, st- but I'm about to drop another one. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but that it just goes back to my point. Yeah, everybody should. If you're gonna pay one, you got to pay everyone. But going back to your college basketball and your football, they're bringing in more money than all the other programs. So uh, then you get into the entire argument. Why should I be feeding you? Why should you get my money? Why Why are you getting as much as me when I bring in more of a fan base than you and I, my jersey is already sold way more than you and we bring in all the money from March Madness? So it's just, I don't think there's ever like a, because you can make a point for both sides. Yeah, and, and just to piggyback off that, I think just the spotlight and the attention that's on these players, right? Like the media obligations, the commitments, you know what I mean? Like if, you know, whoever college football player drops 
a pass in the national a critical pass in the national championship game that causes Alabama to lose, you know, versus you know whoever on the Alabama men's golf team, you know, <laughs> misses, misses a putt like. You know, the golfer isn't going to be getting a whole bunch of tweets and um, bunch of a bunch of a bunch a bunch of hate, bunch of hate tweets and dealing with a bunch of media and having to see the replays over and over this that and the other as opposed to the football player who you got half a tea town that's probably going to be sending that guy all types of you know hate hate mail whether you know via snail mail whether via Twitter whether via Instagram whatever you know just just hate his way because he didn't make a play. You know what I mean? Like, I just think there's, there's a whole a whole lot more responsibility um, that those players have to shoulder as opposed to the Olympic sports. Especially well, as student-athletes, too, because in media, there's a lot of leeway given to these men, women, and other because they're student-athletes and they're unpaid professional. Twitter takes it to a whole different level, too, and it's unfair to these students. Well, I think that's Rashawn's fault. People like Rashawn that don't give attention to like golf or swimming or anything like that. Maybe if you would put them and give them the same media coverage as basketball and football, maybe then they would get some hate tweets. Yeah, maybe I've never get seen some. Brittany Johnson at a Utah <laughs> soccer match either. Uh, well, well, that's I, not I, by how choice. How come, that's how by how time. Come, how come it's not? How come it's not your fault? You invited me on your podcast. You said we're going to talk about X, Y, and Z. You said we're going to talk about soccer. I can't ask golf, you stuff you don't cover, Rashawn. Why? Because you know your fan base ain't going to want to hear all, the, all about all of that. Hold up! Don't right? don't don't try to uh, talk about my fan base. So, you don't know what so they want to hear. <laughs> so we all. So we all got we we all get a little bit of the blame pie. We all we do. Stuff. We do. But going back to media, did you see Cam Newton leave the press conference oh, last week? Oh <laughs> and, my gosh. What? So first of all, to catch people up, if you guys did not see what happened or hear about what happened, Cam Newton, Panthers quarterback, found himself in another poop storm walking out of a press conference last week. He walked out after this question from a reporter. Big plays, chunk plays, kind of get you that energy I think you're talking about. Does this offense, and I know you had several at Detroit and New England, do you think you guys have the wherewithal, is that how you say the word, to do that consistently week in and week out? Newton responded with next question, then he walked off. Do you think, did you see that? Do you think the, you know, the Panthers organization too, is partly to blame for, I think, coddling Cam Newton and not nipping it in the bud the first time he did this? Or do you think it's just acceptable? No, it's totally not acceptable, one. Two, I, that question was a valid question. Like, it was a legit question because the offense certainly had – the offense looked really good, you know, at certain, per, at certain points in the season and at other points it looked really bad. And as the quarterback – Obviously, you have to shoulder a lot of that responsibility. Um, I'm just, I'm just so done with Cam. <laughs> like, I, I, like, like, seriously, dude. Like, 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 just get it together. Like, you're the quarterback. You're the face of the franchise. Like, granted, there's probably a bunch of things that you don't want to do, but it comes with the territory. It comes with that job. It's part of the job description. 
You know what I mean? How many people out there have jobs every day? They may love their job, but there's certain things about their job that they just don't like, right? But they still got to do it anyway because that's part of it. Him going up there at the podium, I think it's only once a week, too, his, his media obligation. Yeah. Once a week, maybe twice at the most, right? But that's part of it. Like, you handle it. You, you handle it. In good times, you handle it. In bad times, you handle it. And, and whatever whatever it is, you just got to take it on the chin, deal with it, and do it. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it, it was first, it was, you know, it was the Super Bowl thing where he just left. And then he had the, the issue with the female reporter, um, you know, <laughs> just a couple of weeks ago. And and now this, like, and, I'm, I'm, and at this point, it's just like, is this guy ever going to get it? Well, and, and the answer is I, I I don't think so, and probably actually no. I think it's, it's just things like this overshadow the good things that he does, and it's like people don't realize everything that he's doing, like attending, and he's not the only one. I'm just we're talking about Cam Newton, so I'm pointing this out. Attending a Halloween party for a boy who has cancer, uh, an hour away from his house, driving down there with an ice cream truck buying Christmas presents for, you know, underprivileged children in the area, funding the Boys and Girls Club holiday party. Like, all of that stuff we're not talking about, and we should be, and I want to be talking about that. But you're over here walking out of post-game or walking out of press conferences because, the as the PR staff put it, uh, Cam Newton thought that he fulfilled his obligation after a- answering questions for nine or ten minutes. Like... Come on, what kind of answer is that? And how long, how many PR staff did it take to come up with that kind of answer? Like, how many How many times do you guys have to do this? When is it going to end? And I just want to know, how is this going to impact his legacy? The people's I, legacy or the media's legacy, Brittany? No, Cam Newton's legacy. I think his, I think you're, you're talking from a media point of view, and professional athletes have an adversarial relationship with reporters. And because a lot of reporters have burned big time athletes, and I, I think I think he has every right to walk out on reporters. I don't think you do. I think you sit there, like Rashawn was saying, you sit there and you answer the question, even if you don't like it or not. There, do you see uh, Coach Kyle Whittingham? He gets asked some questions that he doesn't want to answer. Um, in his Monday press conferences, does he walk out? No, he says. I'm not going to answer that next question. And he waits for that next question and he sits there and then any more questions. Okay. That's it. I'm going to walk away. Like you got to put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants, do your job. And then that's it. You have other players that are asked questions that, you know, they obviously don't want to answer or don't agree with, but they still do their best to answer it or they handle it in some sort of fashion, but they're not walking out. You can always say I don't. I'm not going to answer that. And now the problem is because he's not answering the questions. The reporters have to go in that locker room. They have to ask his teammates questions about him, which is stuff they probably don't want to deal with. No, you know what I mean. And 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 at some, and at some point that's going to create somewhat of a divide. If it hasn't already, it's going to create somewhat of a divide in the locker room because as the face of the franchise. You're supposed to be that guy. You're supposed to be that rubber between us as a team and them as the media so that we don't necessarily have to deal with that. You know what I mean? Like, like you're supposed to protect us from that, in a sense, just like how we protect you out there on the field each and every Sunday, right? But it's, it's just 
it, it's sad, really, that, you know, he continues to stub his own toe and he continues to get in his own way. And it seems like he, he doesn't grow and learn from, you know, the mistakes of the past. And at this point, at this point, it's like he he just doesn't care, and and so you you're talking about his legacy. I think it has a great impact on his legacy. Like, I mean, maybe you know he is doing these great things in the community, which is great, and and I applaud him for that. Um, but that's just one part of the package. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a whole there's a whole bunch of pieces to this pie that at the end of the day are going to be you know put together, and there's going to be some blemishes. Um, you know, on that because of some of the things that he's done off the field. I mean, just just do just do your job, dude. Just just handle it. Like just be like be a pro. Just be a pro. You know, like I mean, it, it, it it's done, it's probably easier said than done, but I mean that that's what it's about. You know, what I mean, you're in that position. Dude. Like how many how, how many jobs are there in the world like yours as, as the face of a franchise of a professional NFL quarterback, right? There's only 29 other guys that have a job like you. Well, do you think he'll get a statue outside the stadium when it's all said and done? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he may have to win a Super Bowl for that. And Well, actually, in Carolina, he probably doesn't have to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know. I, I, maybe because, as you said, that franchise tends to coddle him. So, I mean, as long, as long as he doesn't burn his bridges there with them, he thinks, you know, still be on everybody's good side. And, you know, perhaps, but, you know, I personally, I wouldn't give him a statue. That's messed up. I like Cam Newton. <laughs> but I do agree. Like, you got to earn that. You got to earn it. And right now, you're doing. Also, dude, your, your play doesn't justify you being like that. Like, if we go to it all the way 100. <laughs> <laughs> like, like your your play doesn't justify you just being rude and stepping out on press conferences and, and and not stepping up to the play, right? Like it doesn't. Like, like you look throughout his career, like from year to year, it's been inconsistent. You know, it, it's one good year followed by a not so good year, followed by a good year, followed by a not so good year. You got the MVP year, and then last year nothing. This year is supposed to be another good year. It started off that way. But now it's tending to trend back towards uh, him not having uh, such a good year. So I mean, in the scope of things, I mean, is he a, a good NFL quarterback? Yeah, he is. Is he in that upper echelon? Is, is he on that elite status? No, he's not. He's not. He's not in that top tier guy. He's not in that group with with Brady and Rodgers. And and I hell, I'll even put Philip Rivers ahead of him. Oh hell no! Nah. You know what? Excuse me. So, we're not going to talk about Phillip Rivers. Sasha, what do you think about Colin Kaepernick? Do you think how will, how will this affect his legacy? Will it? Do you think he'll end up with the statue outside? Cam Newton, yeah. Yeah, what did I just say? Colin Kaepernick. Did I say Colin Kaepernick? Yeah. <laughs> we know he ain't getting no statue. I think, I think <laughs> statues are for people that win titles and spend a whole uh, career at one team. I'm not sure that he's a one-career team guy right now. You know, he's got a lot of work to do. I don't know. So since we brought up, I brought up Colin Kaepernick, yo, is he going to get on a team or no? I I, I thought that he would. I, 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 I thought he would, he would be on a team by now, but 
you know, with with this lawsuit dropping, what was it last week or two weeks ago? Yeah. I, I just think he, I think that's it. I think he kind of wrote his ticket. But, I mean, as you're watching football week in and week out, can you truly watch these quarterbacks and, like, argue that all of them are better than Colin Kaepernick? Absolutely not. But, I mean, a lot of it has to do with system and fit, and, and, and I brought that, I bought that theory, you know, back, you know, during the off season, you know, during the spring and into the summer, I, I kind of subscribed to that theory. But as this thing just continued to go on, it was clear that there was certainly an agenda behind this. Do you think he's been blackballed for kneeling? Absolutely, because he was he he was the first guy. He was the leader of the pack, so to speak. And it's 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 interesting. And, and I heard Max Kellerman say this on on first take. Um, I mean, he's uh, all of a sudden, you know, after Trump made his comments, you know, these owners and stuff, they they got a part of the protest, right? Now everybody's yeah. protesting, and they're protesting about the same thing that's actually keeping him off the lead. Yeah. Well, then, like, then you have Bob McNair. You can't have inmates running the prison, and then you want to double down and say you weren't talking about the players, and you want to apologize, like. Dude, like, stop it. Like, you know, what do you think about his comments and that the Texans, you know, some of them took a kneel today before the game? Yeah, I know they were, they were, they were, you know, planning some sort of a protest. Um, I could commend uh, Coach O'Brien. You know, he got out in in the front of this thing and said, look, I support whatever my players do. And and in a sense, he kind of is going against management, you know, by saying that. Um, so you, if you really think about what he said, Bob McNair, um, I, I understand the, the mindset of it, the, the thought process mm-hmm. behind it. Um, you know, if you, if you're, if you're a business owner, for example, and you have all of your employees, um, running your business to it and, and to the point where, like, they're calling all the shots, making all the big time decisions, then you may be in some trouble. So, so I I understand it, I get it from that standpoint, but it was kind of ill timed, and, and and with everything that's going on in, in this day and age, and and in that league to make a statement like that, it just it just sort of seems like you're 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 tone deaf to everything that's going on around you. Um, I understand the, the thought process behind it and, and the point that he was trying to get across, but at the same time, it just wasn't stated uh, properly. It, it shouldn't have been stated in that manner. Um, I was listening to uh, Eric Davis out here um, on the radio, and he, and he was talking about how you know he played for the Niners and George Seifert was the head coach, and and he was saying he if he was a part of a, a organization where the patients didn't run the asylum, then he didn't want to be a part of it. Now, he had a, a different mindset in the sense that there was some team-building stuff going on there, and he wanted all of his players to be empowered, you know, similar to, to, to what Steve Kerr has done up in, in Golden State with the Warriors. So his players didn't really take offense to that. But on when you use language like McNair said, I mean, you're talking about prisoners, you're talking about guys that don't have, you know, free speech, free will, free opportunity to really do anything you're talking about criminals in a sense then that makes your statement therefore uh criminal do you so think I, he I, meant it to be that way or did and do and you I, think I, that I he meant the racism that's involved in that statement 
I, I, I honestly, I, I, don't, I, I don't know the man, and I don't know him to be a racist. From you know all, all the things that I've heard, he's done great job. He's done a great job with, at, um, you know, uplifting that Houston community and doing great things in the community. I, I don't think that, you know, he meant it in a malicious way, but I just think right now everyone, especially in that league, is so sensitive to anything close to being like or sounding like or replicating any sense of racial injustice that if you say anything, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start a fire. Well, and, and, and that's what happened. It's surprising, too, because this is a team that where the guys have wanted to kneel previously, but they didn't out of respect for him. So, yeah. you know, and now it's just like you say something like that and all these players, like you said, right now is definitely not the right time. You got to choose your words wisely. And is this a D- Donald Sterling type scenario where he's going to be forced out of the league? No, I don't I don't no, think it's don't anything think like that. that no, I don't think that's no. Um, but I mean, now I think you, you like you were saying, you got to this is not the time to be making comments like that. And you really have to think about what you're going to say before you say it. And it just, it kind of gives these players more feel to be like, this is why, this is part of the reason why, you know, because you think of us as X, Y, and Z, and we're not like that. And out of respect, we did not kneel for you, kneel out of respect for you before, but now we're we're going to have to, whether you like it or not. So It's really about the protest, right? I mean, it- this whole conversation started because of the protest, and they're trying to figure out things they can do so that the players, you know, either they don't protest or they can protest in a way that they'll get their point across, A, and B, the owners continue to line their pockets because now with all these protests, really all it's about is money, right? So now with all these protests, you have, you know, advertisers and people that are associated with the league um, upset and, and starting to hit the pockets the NFL owners. So now that's why they're kind of stepping in and saying, well, look, what can we do? We got to do something. And then, you know, he makes that comment like that. And so really you, you got the owners trying to protect themselves and trying to protect their money. And you got the players trying to protect the best interests of the black and brown community. And they're not really getting anywhere because there's no middle ground to be found because they're each arguing totally different points. And that's the thing. I think the message has gotten or is getting lost here. It's now you have people kneeling because Donald Trump said, President Donald Trump said something. So you're going to kneel for that. And then Bob McNair calls people prisoners. So you're going to kneel for that. It's yeah, just. Right. Yeah. yeah. So now, I mean, now everybody's, I think now it's gotten to the point where I think some people are kneeling and don't even really know what they're kneeling for. Yeah. So, so it, it has gotten a little watered down from that standpoint i would, i would agree with you there so where do you go from here what can be where is that middle ground well i mean allegedly they're supposed to meet mcnair's supposed to meet with a few of the nfl players um i think roger is supposed to be a part of that meeting as well just so people can kind of iron things out and 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 get some things off their chest and, and explain you know each other's side and I think it has to start with communication because I, I I truly don't know that the owners understand where the players are coming from. 
And in the same token, I don't, I don't think the players understand where the owners are coming from. The players may seem like the owners' beefs really aren't that big of a deal compared to what we're out here fighting each and every day as black and brown people. Well, do you think this would have played out differently if this was the NBA? Yes. And because, why do you think that? Because the NBA is a players' league. And the players run that league. Um, the NFL players have very little say-so. Uh, it's run by the owners. It's run by, I mean, let's just be honest, it's, it's run by, you know, rich white folks. Um, they run that league. I mean, look at the collective bargaining agreement. I mean, the, the NFL players, I mean, granted, I get the disparity in roster size. You know, you got 15 compared to 53. Like, I, I get that. And, and that's going to be a reason why, you know, the, the salaries, you know, aren't, aren't really going to match. But the things that are agreed upon in the CBA, it, it puts the players at a disadvantage each and every year. That's why you have all these holdouts. Well, that's something you saw or heard of an NBA player holdout. It just doesn't happen. They have a great union. They They have a... A, a great CBA, something that you know they they agreed with and and, and signed with that gives them a lot of power. NFL players don't have any power. Have you talked to anyone in the NBA, um, you know, and gotten their kind of thoughts on this? I know there's been a lot of players that speak out and they tweet out about it, but anyone from like the Lakers that you're talking to, covering anything like that. No, I haven't talked to anybody, and to be honest, it really hasn't been that huge of a topic. I mean, there's been some pretense here and there, you know, from LeBron, and I, I think, you know, Trump coming at the Warriors and coming at Steph the way he did. But aside from that, it's just two different worlds. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I that's not to say the NBA players don't appreciate the struggle of the NFL guys, or they don't back them or, or understand, but... I just think it's two different worlds. It's two, it's two different vantage points. Um, and I think with the NFL players are fighting or, I mean, it's it's racial inequality in the streets, right? But then there's also what they feel like it's inequality in their workplace. I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys are, are, are millionaires or, you know, making six-figure, you know, six-figure six deals. But, you know, the, the, the way they're treated, the way they're looked upon by the owners, um, some of the things that the owners have said, I mean, you take McNair's statement, you take what Jay Jones said a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, his players, you know, and for lack of or paraphrasing here, he basically was saying his, his players, any of his, his players better not protest. They better not, you know, if they do, then they wouldn't play for the Cowboys. Like, so there's, there's a lack of respect there. And I think it goes to the commissioner, you know, and Silver made, Silver, Adam Silver is more of, a commissioner who will hear and understand whatever qualms his players have, whereas Goodell, quite frankly, isn't liked by the NFL players. Well, there's, there's just a lot of issues, a lot of issues um, in that league. Listen, Adam Silver can definitely hear because he got them ears. <laughs> you wrong. So wrong <laughs> he can that. definitely hear the players. But in wrapping up here. I want to know what you have been up to and what you're working on currently with Fox Sports West and um, other things that you're doing right now. Uh, we got high, high school football season is, is wrapping up here. Um, 
the regular season will we'll wrap up on Friday, and then we head into the playoffs. Uh, so we've been working on a lot of things with them just from from a feature standpoint. Um, college basketball season is right around the corner. I've been uh, part of their college basketball coverage for going in the last four seasons uh, now, I want to say. Um, so that's exciting. Also, uh, moonlighting with the ESPN3 out here. Um, done a couple of games for them. So just, just, just trying to trying to stay busy and trying to, as opposed to, you know, giving the news, trying to get more along the, the side of, uh, of live events and, and doing games and being part of games as opposed to, you know, that, that day-to-day news gathering um, side of the business. So uh, it's cool. I, I do miss that other side a little bit, um, but there's nothing like, you know, live games and being there and being a part of it because it, it, it is real-life reality TV. Like, you have no idea what's going to happen. Yo, just make sure you stay out of my city. Stay out of San Diego. That's not your city. Yo, I was just down there. I was just down there last Saturday night. I had a game, and it was San Diego County. It wasn't the city. It was the county. I was in Escondido. I had a, a, a college football game out there. And let me tell you something. I was so mad because, you know, you right. Do you got any sponsors on here? No, no sponsors. No. Talk about anything? Okay. All right, cool. So, um, you already know my spot. Wings and things, right? You My spot, know. but go ahead. So, our, the game started at 6, right? Wings and things literally right around the corner from where I was doing the game. I was like, game starts at 6, should have enough time, get there maybe 9.30, 9.45 at the least, get some, hit the road, hit back, get, get back home. There were upwards of 25 penalties hard in that game. <laughs> <laughs> by the time, by the time we, by the time the game ended, and we wrapped up all our gear and everything, and and got to the parking lot, got in my car, it was nine fifty nine. Reason being closed at ten. Oh, I was hot. That's what you get, so yo. Hot. If you were like me, that's my city. I could walk up in there at nine fifty nine and get an order. Hot. I was, man, you probably, I probably should have hit you. I probably should have had you make a call for me. I was, no way. I was so, Yo. like, no way. I'm going all the way back to L.A. and I don't have no wings and things. Oh, man, I was hot. That's what you get. Rashawn, where could everybody find you on social media? Social media, I'm on Twitter, at rhaylock. Me and Twitter kind of have a love-hate relationship. Sometimes we together. Sometimes I need my distance. <laughs> Um, and watch Ray Ray on Instagram. <laughs> watch watch Ray, Ray. Wait, that is your name. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again because uh, I just messed that up. Instagram, watch Ray Ray. Watch Ray Ray on Instagram, at rhaylock on Twitter. Yo, I don't think you follow me on Twitter. We need to fix that. I'm pretty sure I do. I don't think but you do. You're too Hollywood. Nah, man. I'm, I'm so low-key. I'm chill. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sasha, where can everybody find you? Oh, uh, there's no need for that, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, follow me on Instagram at Brittany Renee TV. Follow the show, utahpodcastnetwork.com. Rashawn, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate hey, it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You, you know. On everything you're doing out there. Sasha, nice job, homie. Nice, nice to meet you. Yes, sir. Thanks for your knowledge. I appreciate you.